Welcome to our online messages. Today, Pastor Cyrus shares with us from the book of Luke, chapter 1. Welcome again to Willamette Community Church. Good morning. Thanks. Five or six of you. That was really... Good morning. All right. So... I am Cyrus. I'm the associate pastor here, and it's my privilege to be able to bring the word today. Um, This is a wonderful time of year, right? It's the Christmas season. It's the Advent season. And by Advent, that means the, the coming, right? And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But our theme, this whole idea of grace coming down, this whole idea of of God in human flesh as a baby. Uh, We have talked about this theme verse, okay? And our theme verse is from 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. And we like to read it together. And there are a few different ways we could read it together. We could read it in like one of those uh, trying to make someone go to sleep monotonous voices. But we will not choose to read it that way today. Oh, no. We're going to read it with some enthusiasm, with some energy, okay? So I'm going to let that sink in. And I'm going to talk about this verse just for about 30 seconds. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing this to a group of Christians. And he says, you know of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he was in heaven. He had everything he wanted and needed. He was content, right? Receiving all the worship and glory that was due his name. Even though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He left everything in heaven and came to earth so that by his poverty, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. right? So that you could share in the riches and in the inheritance that is his. Okay? So, can we read it with the enthusiasm of what it means? You can stand if you want to stand. If you're passionate about this, I'm going to stand. You can too. Read it with me, please. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Oh, some of you are standing up. I like that. All right. Let's read. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. This idea of him giving up so that we could get is a powerful idea. And it's worth celebrating, isn't it? That's why we celebrate Christmas. Come on. Okay. And like I said earlier, this concept of Advent. Advent is when we... Um, remember, prepare, and celebrate. So here you go. You can fill in some blanks. Advent, meaning we are remembering, preparing, and celebrating that Jesus came and that he is coming again. So if you remember something, but you don't really do anything about it, you don't really prepare for it before you celebrate it, it doesn't have quite the, uh, the meaning. So um, if you're married and you have an anniversary coming and you remember the anniversary like mine is in just uh, less than a week on the 13th of December, I will be married 16 years to that lovely lady right there. Hello, sweetheart. Yeah. 
I have applauded even louder than you guys for that sweet woman there. All right. So if I merely remembered the date and I didn't prepare in any way to celebrate it, how do you think that would make her feel? Right? Not that great. Um, if your friend was having a birthday and you remembered the birthday, but you didn't really do anything about it, you didn't really prepare and celebrate it, then it really wouldn't be that great, right? Well, guess what? We have a friend who's having a birthday. His name is Jesus, and we're going to remember it, and we're going to prepare for it, and we're going to celebrate it, right? So what kinds of things do we do to remember and prepare and celebrate Christmas, the Advent? Well, look around. One of the things we do is we, we decorate, right? I lo- these, these gifts are a little uh, added this week, and you see all the different things that are really given to us because of Jesus, right? Because we've been given the Savior, we have peace, we have joy, we have salvation. So we have all these wonderful things that remind us. These are decorations, right? They remind us. The other thing we often do is we will write poems, right? We'll write stories. We'll even maybe sculpt something or make something in art to demonstrate and remember and celebrate and prepare our hearts for who God is, for what Jesus came to do. How about uh, we make things? Anybody have Christmas cookies or like a Christmas something they make each year? Can I see a few hands? Yeah? So this time of year, we have traditions where we make things. But if I was going to ask you what the best way to spread Christmas cheer would be, what would you say? Oh, some of you know this. This is what we would say. The way, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Isn't it true? Like when you start to hear the Christmas carols, doesn't that kind of start to make you feel all festive, right? So we're going to play a little game, a little activity where I'm going to start the song and you finish the lyric, okay? So I will start, I'll sing a few words, and then you finish the line, all right? So let's, we're going to, these should be easy, okay? This isn't, I'm not trying to trick you, we're just trying to have a little fun. So here we go. Silent night. Yeah, you got it, you got it. Here's another one. Away in the manger. Mm, That's beautiful, too. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Oops. I finished it for you. Man. All right. See the lie. Yeah, good work. We'll come back to that one. All right, here's, here's another one. Classic movie one. I'm dreaming of a... Oh, man. Yeah, that's good. Okay, last but definitely not least... And this one, I want you to really go for, okay? Tis the season to be. Yes, I like it. And you know, one of the things all of these songs have in common is that they're out of touch with reality. (laughs) Right? Isn't that true? Um, They have these great things that are just like, man, life is all about gumdrops and Santa Claus and white Christmases and um, but not to be a major bummer here but just to deal with real life 
let's be honest, this time of year is actually really hard, isn't it, in some ways? It has a lot of challenges. In fact, you could say, tis the season to be troubled, to be troubled, to be stressed, to be challenged, to endure trials, right? Because it's this time of year that you find life being pulled to its extremes, right? This is when families and tension and stress are being troubled. This is when memories of times gone by and people who maybe you once loved have passed away or maybe there were fights and dysfunction and hurts and those troubles are part of the season because of past hurts. Maybe it's a job or career trouble that you're feeling this time of year. Maybe it's health troubles. This time of year brings up a lot of pain, and so sometimes it's substance and addiction problems. Maybe you're finding yourself um, exercising a lot of retail therapy, spending a lot of money to try to make yourself feel better, all in the name of generosity, but in reality, it's just trying to fill a hole that only God can really fill. It's quite possible that your best and worst memories are brought to mind at this time of year. Tis the season to be troubled. Because of family, especially memories of how we have hurt others or how they have hurt us, rise to the surface. And for many of us, this is a season that is bitter or maybe even full of regret. There are painful reminders of Christmases gone by where we have wounds that we've never really allowed God to come in to heal. We've never really trusted him completely with our pain. Well, you know, this kind of trouble is actually how Christmas started. So if you have a Bible or if you have one on your phone, Tap your way or turn your way to Luke chapter 1. And if you have a Bible in front of you that's one of the churches provided, I believe it's page 855, Luke chapter 1. And if you don't have a Bible here today and you would like one, you can put your name in the one there in front of you, there around you in the chairs, and just take it home with you. That will be our gift to you. So we're going to read, starting in verse 26, about something that was very troubling to a young lady named Mary. Chapter 1, verse 26. Let me read. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was Joseph. He was of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. 
and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age was also, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what did Mary receive? She received something that was very troubling to her, but she received a message of grace. Mary gets a message of grace. Let's take a little bit of time and and make some observations about this passage we just read. Because a message of grace was kind of troubling to Mary. And sometimes even good news to us can be kind of difficult. So let's start in verse 28. It says, And he, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So why did she receive this message? How come she deserved to carry this child? Well, the truth is, it really didn't have anything to do with what she did, right? It was God that orchestrated the events in her life that she would be born in this place to this family at this time, right? She was simply the result of God's orchestration so that he could fulfill his plan. And so what did he do? He gave her this gift, this grace. She was favored. That's what that means, favored one. It means graced one. You see, we don't use the word grace very often like a verb, like an action. But that's what's going on here. This is God gracing her. He graced her with this privilege. And that's what caused so much trouble within her. She's asking a very uh, honest question. And we'll get to that in just a minute. The angel could tell that she was afraid. But he reassured her with this idea that you have found favor with God. That word favor there is grace. Again, God's grace is upon you. You have found favor. You have grace with God. Now, what is this grace going to look like? What is this grace for her? Well, it's this child. But this child is not just an ordinary child. It's a child of promise. This child will be called the Son of the Most High in verse 32. The Lord God will give you or give to him the throne of his father David, 
if you grew up in the nation of Israel, you knew about David, you knew about the promises that were given to him, and that his kingdom would last forever. And that's exactly what this child will grow up to do. Verse 33, he will reign over the house of Jacob. Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. His sons became the nation of Israel and their descendants. And Jesus, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. This was prophesied back in Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and the nation of Israel had been waiting for this time. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Mary? Could you, can you put yourself in her place? I know the guys never having kids or not really going to understand that. The ladies more so, but this concept of a young woman having an angel come to her and saying, your life is going to be different forever. What a difficult concept. So when she heard about this son that she will have and all of the promises that he was going to fulfill, she did not ask questions about his kingdom. She did not ask questions about his titles. She did not ask questions about how he would reign forever. What was her question? Her question was, how will this be since I am a virgin? Since I've never known a man, since this whole biological thing, how is this going to be? That was her question. Let's watch a little video, and we'll see if we can try to put ourselves in Mary's place. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. She was growing into a teenager and was living then in the obscure village of Nazareth in Galilee. She gathered the grain during the day and tended the lamp laid into the watches of the night. Her father knew the dedication of her work her mother the kindness of her heart, her friends the curve of her smile. She stood on the threshold of womanhood. Among all the girls in the village, she had been noticed, chosen, betrothed, a child bride before whom lay only possibility. Her father could walk with pride in the city gates. Her mother could rest in the comfort of her daughter's future security. But then he came, unexpected, unannounced, spoke openly and without shame of pregnancy, virginity, and a son. Things men never discussed, and women only whispered about behind closed doors. She questioned him about the particulars, but not about the promise. She knew the prophecies, and the angel's words rang true. She would be scorned and rejected, labeled an adulteress in whispers and glances, There would be no more carefree walks to the market, no more happy trips to the well. Four hundred years her people had waited for hope, but God had been silent. Now he had spoken. The wait was about to end, 
40 weeks, and then Emmanuel, God with us. Does that help you get a little bit of an idea of what it might have been like for this young woman to be in this situation where her life would be so radically changed? And for the people who believed, it would be a celebration. But for the people who didn't believe her, can you imagine the scorn and the ridicule? It would have been very difficult. But we know how the story ends. And we know that Mary walked with God through this process. Now, Mary is not the only one that gets a message of grace. So do you. So do I. In fact, this is where you need to put your name here. Because you get a message of grace. Catherine gets a message of grace. Tom gets a message of grace. Sharon gets a message of grace. Cyrus gets a message of grace. And that message of grace is that grace came down and that grace was embodied in the person of Jesus. The eternal God chose to be born and live a perfect, sinless life in complete obedience to the mission that was set out before him. By dying on the cross and being resurrected for our sins, he conquered the grave and he met the requirements of all sin and offense. All those things that we have done that troubled us, that offend God, he paid the price for all those things. And now forgiveness and freedom from the penalty of our sin, the death that we deserve because of how we have acted, has been paid for because of Jesus That forgiveness is available to anyone that puts their faith in what Jesus has done. And you know what's wonderful is that that message of grace, that grace came down, is merely like a door that opens up into more and more grace. The manifold grace of God. It's the the many beautiful facets of grace are like the different angles of a beautiful gem In fact, we're going to spend a little time in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. And I want to talk to you about all of the, not all, some of the blessings, some of the grace that has been given to you and to me as believers. I'm going to read, and you can turn to Ephesians 1 if you'd like, or you can just listen. And listen for all of the grace, all of the the privileges that are yours Not because you've earned them, but because of God's generous gift, because of God's grace. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He has said good things about us in Christ. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you're a believer here today, you have been blessed with everything. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There is not a blessing that someone has, they have earned or worked for, that you don't have. 
If you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior just 30 seconds ago, you have the same spiritual blessings as the, the man or woman that has been walking with God their whole life and has been a believer for over 70 years. And the reason you have those blessings, that grace is yours because of what Christ has accomplished, not because of how hard you've worked for it. You have a message of grace. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That was grace. In love, he predestined us for adoption. He brought us into his family with great privilege. We are like sons all through Jesus Christ, it says in verse 5. This was all according to the purpose of his will. It was his plan and his desire to make this happen. Verse 6, all this was done to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. That idea of with which he has blessed us in the beloved, what's really fascinating is that is the same word that is used to talk about the favored one being Mary. He has graced us. He has favored us in Christ. What a wonderful concept to consider this Christmas time that the same concept of how Mary was favored by God is that you and I in Christ have been favored by God. You and I have a message of grace. And remembering this grace will make it so much easier to trust him because through his grace, he has provided what you need to handle the troubles of life. Through his people, through his word, through prayer, he wants you to experience life abundantly. He wants you to be healthy in every concept of that word in relationship to him. So although this is a season for troubles, this is also a season to be trusting Because the troubles are going to come and go, but God is going to be consistent and faithful, and you can trust him. Well, Mary ended up trusting God, but how did she get to that point? Well, let's go back to our story, because in Luke chapter 1, she asks that question, how will this be? She's uh, rightfully a little bit hesitant. How is this going to happen? Well, this is what the angel says. He actually gives her some details. Well, God, the Holy Spirit, he's going to come upon you, and he's going to make some things happen, and you're going to have a child. And, and in case she wasn't fully convinced he says, and behold, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. She was unable to have children. And now here she is elderly and God had a plan and is bringing a son to her. And listen to what 
I love this little phrase. For nothing will be impossible with God. God can make the young woman pregnant that has never known the man and the baby making and all that stuff. That's for the kids because they don't always understand. And some of them are young and hip and they need that language. The adults, I know you all get it. Some of you have to explain it to your kids later. I trust you to do that. Mary was asking this question, how is this, how is this possible? But nothing is impossible with God because God can even make the barren with child. And it's when she realizes that the God of the impossible is the God that is working with her that her response is that of trust. Look at verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Her response is that of trust. I trust you. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to submit myself to you, God, and we will make this happen your way. Let it be to me according to your word. You said it. And I trust you because you are the God of the impossible. Now, there's another example of a group of people, and we actually talk about them whenever we talk about our theme verse. I'm going to go to the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 real quickly. And in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul is talking to these Corinthian Christians, and he says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Did you notice that? In the midst of severe affliction... Some might call those troubles. In the midst of extreme poverty, again, very troubling. In the midst of all of these troubles, their abundance of joy was on display. And it overflowed in a wealth of generosity. You see, they were giving to to support and care for those who had need in another place. It was a gift. It wasn't because anyone earned it. Verse 3, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see, they entrusted themselves to God. They knew the grace of God. They were able to extend the grace of God because they trusted Him. Their joy was a reflection of their relationship with their great God. Even in the midst of their affliction, even in the midst of their poverty, they recognized they could be generous. They recognized that they could trust Him. And isn't that true about us? The more we get to know God, the easier it is to trust him. The more we get to know anybody, the easier it is to get to trust them until they've proven themselves untrustworthy, right? So my wife and I, we've had the the privilege of getting to know some new people. 
we kind of found ourselves in a community of people exercising at Hub City CrossFit. And over time, we are able to get to know them. We're able to trust them, and they trust us more and more. And when someone is telling you how to do things with heavy things like lifting weights, it's good to be able to trust them, right? Or else you could find yourself injured. Well, guess what? In life, there are spiritual things, emotional things, things of our health that you can't touch and feel, but we have to come alongside one another. We have to be able to trust God and his word and his people so that we can avoid the pain and the injury that comes from poor choices. And as we get to know God and as we get to know his word, we're able to trust him more and more. And so one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is what is God asking you to trust him with today? How are you hurting? What are those troubles that have been maybe deep down that are resurfacing this season? Maybe something is currently troubling you, something in your career, something in your health, relationship troubles. Maybe it's a forgiveness issue. Maybe there's bitterness Maybe it's been hard to have relationship with people because there needs to be reconciliation. Well, let me ask you, can the God of the impossible work those things out? We say things like we believe God can do the impossible, but are you willing to live your life differently because you really believe God can do impossible things? Are you willing to take the step into that place of forgiveness? Are you willing to give up that grudge to the God that can do the impossible? It won't be easy. It might even be painful, but healing can come through these things. When the grace of God intersects with our lives, and we trust God because of who he is and what he's done, we're able to experience the healing that only God can bring. So, will you allow the God of the impossible to work? Mary was able to. Mary was greatly troubled, and she trusted God. Let's look again at that final verse in our passage. Luke 1.38 Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Are you willing to submit and be a servant of the Lord to do his work because you understand who he is? Well, this kind of brings us to that concluding thought. You see, Christmas, in light of grace coming down, has done some amazing things. One thing that it has done is it has taught us to receive God's grace and to look for ways to extend it. We talked about that a lot last week, but it continues to be true. We must receive God's grace and then look to extend it. And today we talked about the importance of living in light of God's grace coming down because we can trust him with your troubles. You and I must be able to trust him with our troubles, with those things that trouble us, 
with the things that we have done that trouble others, we can trust him with those things. So what does this look like? Is it merely just, okay, I trust him? It, yeah, that's a, that's a very important first step. But trusting God looks like this. It looks like going to God in prayer when things are really hard, when you want to hold on to that bitterness, when you want to um, hold on to a grudge. Trusting God looks like you're spending time in his word, getting to know him better, to see what he says about the difficulties of life. Trusting God looks like connecting with his people. You can't do this on your own. You can't live a healthy life by yourself. We were made for relationship. We were made for living in community. And so to trust him with your troubles is to share those with trustworthy people, with God's people who love you and care about you. That's why we have community groups. That's why we have the connection cards and people that will pray for you and meet with you. Because trusting him with your troubles is not just going off by yourself with a tight grip and saying, I'll do it myself. Trusting him with your troubles is giving those troubles to him through prayer, through spending time in his word, and through spending time with his people. You have lots of opportunities to be around his people this week with Christmas Compassion. And if you need people to talk with, we would be glad to talk with you and come alongside you. That's what it looks like to trust him with your troubles. And this idea is not a new idea. In fact, it's part of a Christmas song that we have sung since the 1860s. In 1868, this lyric was written, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The worship team's going to come up, and we're actually going to sing this song, just a part of it. But it's that important concept to remember that the things that trouble us, whether they are our hopes, things that we want, we're troubled because we aren't that where we want to be. We need to trust God with those hopes. We need to put our hope in him and in him alone. The things that trouble us from our fears, the things we're afraid of, maybe it's old relationships coming back or it's people holding a grudge against us. We need to be able to trust God with those troubles as well. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In Jesus, all of the things that have troubled us from the past and trouble us about the future can be satisfied and trusted to him. We can trust him with our troubles. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there is a lot of trouble in this world. There's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in this room. Families that have dealt with divorce, people that have said hurtful things to us and that we have said to others. Jobs that have been lost, illness and cancer and injury that is being dealt with. 
These are troubles of life. Lord, remind us, help us to trust you with our troubles. And I know you want to do that through your word and through prayer and through your people. And and God, I pray that that is exactly what we would do. We would turn to you this season, that we would recognize your plan, that we would be willing to serve you and trust you even when it's hard. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Each one of us is part of God's redemptive story. Take some time this week to share your God story with someone. I guarantee they will be blessed and you will be blessed as well. Join us again next week as we continue studying God's Word.